This is Roof English Radio with Darinata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. This is Roof English Radio. Hello, I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company as ever. Today, I'm going to learn about something which, not being a person of faith, I must admit I haven't spent a great deal of time investigating in Iceland, which is strange because I am a fan of architecture and modern architecture in particular. And it turns out that a lot of the places of worship in Iceland, many are ancient, many of course have a long history, but some are tremendous examples of modern architecture. An obvious example would be Hallgrimskirkja in Reykjavik, but there are others. And who better to turn to to find out more about this than the director and co-producer of a new documentary coming to the Shelter Architecture Channel. It's called Churches of Iceland. We have Damien Lip, director, and co-producer Stephanie Mauro, who are joining me from the other side of the world on Zoom. It's 11 hours ahead. It's almost tomorrow where you are. You are in Melbourne, but you're here to reflect on your visit to Iceland and the two programs that you filmed here, the two episodes that you filmed here. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I really enjoyed Churches of Iceland, which is the documentary, the short documentary that is either out now or will be very soon on the Shelter channel. And let's just pick up on what I said there. I was really struck by how modern some of the architecture is in places of worship in Iceland. Is that something that surprised you when you came here? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially how unique uh, sculpturally they were as well. I've never seen anything like it in the world. It was very, very unique. What struck me was that some of the churches, there was one in particular in that documentary that felt almost as if it could have been in the Brazilian capital, Brasilia, I think is a really fascinating and, and, and strange place. And it was really odd to see something that could have been in that Brazilian city in the middle of the Icelandic countryside. And, and you reflect in the documentary on the fact that it is something that on the face of it clashes with the environment, but at the same time is also part of it. That's the Bjarniskirke, sorry if yeah. I... If I butcher the name, yes. That was pretty good. Architecturally yeah, yeah. stunning. Like the way that they constructed a like a, a half dome and then with the, the the spike at the end of it, it's just the contrast in the landscape and also it blending into the landscape mm. using the nature, like the, the yeah. glacier in the background yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the rolling hills. And it's, yeah, quite a stunning feat of what... Uh, Hannes Davidson has done with that project. I think he was inspired by the glaciers and the mountains what, when he was designing that um, clearly. And I, I don't think a lot of the, the locals would have seen his vision or supported it until it was yes. in its final construction because it is very special. And it is still a very raw product when you're like, well, you can look at it on a, on an image and be, and not take it, like take it for granted, basically. Yeah. You look at it and say, oh, that's just a structure. But when you're there, you can actually see the leftover remnants of like the when they would have peeled the wood off the the framing and it's still, you see wood grains through the middle of it and just yeah. the way that they've designed the light to come down and hit onto and the hit altar. hit the altar directly. It's very... Yeah, very yeah. forward thinking. A lot of the interiors are quite minimal. We're not talking about the Vatican here, are we? We're not talking about the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. There's a lot of, in these very beautiful and obviously very cleverly constructed buildings, there's a very simple minimalist interior very often. Is that deliberate? I think it definitely speaks for itself. 
you don't need so much to really make the church shine if that makes any sense at all. But Hannes Davidson also uh, intended Bjarne's Kirka to be used around 20 times a year, so he didn't mm. think heating and cooling was necessary. Here in Iceland, one of those things is necessary. Quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite uh, often. So maybe that was an oversight, or I can't recall if this was addressed in the documentary, but has there been heating added? Have these buildings been retrofitted there was actually a fire in this concrete structure that yeah broke so they put they put heating in there right yeah because yeah. of the heating system yeah and it burnt so oh, but, okay. but yeah because it's not because it's not a not um looked after very well and it's basically the church that funds all of mm. the all of the repairs and maintenance on it it's mm. just it's not hasn't been uh, maintained as well as the the locals would have thought or, or liked. Because back in the day, clearly, uh, I think locals put a lot of pride in their church and and architecture. Uh, the the playground for for architecture would have been put into churches. Um, whereas nowadays, I think those congregations, especially in small rural towns, are very very small. So it's really up to the locals and the church to put all of their love and money into repairs. And I think as well here in Iceland, whether or not you are a person of faith, indeed many people are not, but churches are still considered to have architectural merit and importance. An obvious example would be Halkinskarkia in the centre of Reykjavik, the concrete church from the oh. 1950s, I think, which is a staggering building. And it has probably become emblematic of Reykjavik more than anything else I can think of. We were at Roof English Radio recently trying to think of a building or a an icon that would represent the capital. And we probably think that Halkinskirkia is that now. It's obviously a very important building, even for people uh, who are not of faith. Did that come across in your investigations, that these buildings are basically for everybody? Absolutely. Yeah, and I yeah. do think, sorry, I can't, cannot pronounce that building, <laughs> but the it's it also, even though it's in a city centre, it also represents the countryside of Iceland, like those those concrete structures that pile out straight out of the ground, um, like on the black sand beach, those yes. those column like the volcanic columns. It's just it's you see that in the infrastructure. And I yeah, I take my hat off to like the, mm. a lot of the the architects back in the time that really used Iceland in mm. their architectural design. Mm. Now, this is your second documentary in and about Iceland. You created an episode of your series, Tiny Spaces, in Iceland, which was released in January of this year. But you you filmed the two documentaries together on one trip. So you've only had one trip to Iceland, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah, you yep. should have as many as possible. So yeah, tell me absolutely. about Tiny Spaces, which I think, as I say, there was a series of five, one of which focused on Iceland. You were here in the country last year for those. Yes, that's correct. So we were mainly focusing on small buildings, hence the title Tiny Spaces, and also a refurbished and reused, uh, repurposed buildings. Mm. There, were, there was a water tower, which housed the family, uh, an old farm, and then there was a new cabin build, and then there was also, what was the last one? Well, it was focusing on a new builds and then also repurposed spaces, yes. which was repurposing a, an old sheep sort of barn, uh, barn. Yeah. and then um you know the owner 
collaborated with these amazing architects that built the most beautiful home alongside mm-hmm. that. So that's about uh, preserving what was already there and making it, you know, more more beautiful and um, fitting with the landscape as well so it doesn't just stick out, you know. Uh, and then also turf structures. Turf farms, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that architecturally, I think back back in the day, I think turfing was uh, frowned upon, but uh, it's such an inspiration architecturally to other people yeah. around the world, especially, uh, you know, with environmentalism, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the rise, people are wanting to incorporate that into their new builds. It does work, doesn't it? As a form really of education, it's actually quite effective, which I think is something that's missed, isn't it? And that, that was one thing we only slightly touched on in the documentary, but there are a lot of houses architecturally incorporating this for their cooling and um, heating system as well. So heat can't escape and it doesn't get as cold, so yeah. there's less less use of it is a, it is a tradition that i think is being a bit lost uh on how to you know how to build turfing but there are courses um which i think but, the, but so- i think am i right in saying in churches of iceland the first church that you visit is a turf roofed church yes yes yeah. that yeah, was yeah. vidimir yeah vidimir church yeah so you've made these two programs on the same trip i i assume that you'd planned to make two different programs when you were here you didn't just stumble across the beauty of the churches while you were making tiny spaces or did you <laughs> it was we were actually on another another work trip and we just we talked to one of our producer friends and we said let's get together and shoot a series over here this place is incredible so we just got together and con- contacted all of these people contacted national museum of iceland they let us shoot in the turf church uh, the turf huts and contacted all of the owners the architects and just made it happen but initially yes so uh churches were was meant to be part of um the tiny spaces documentary but we just felt like it wasn't um serving its purpose and needed to be highlighted in its own series Mm -hmm. like its own documentary yeah so what were your impressions then as visitors when you came to iceland from very far away once you got over some hefty jet lag i imagine it is Probably it's our favorite country. The most incredible country <laughs> in the whole world. And we, we have traveled quite a lot and it is very outstanding. And we just got in a car and we we planned we planned all the destinations we had to go to and um what uh you know made sense to visit at what times. Mm-hmm. And we just did this giant road trip around and everywhere we went, it was like take a photo of that, take a photo of that, take a photo. <laughs> Everything was just beautiful and, and I, all the yeah. houses were so unique and i've never hiked at midnight before yeah that was phenomenal in, in broad daylight presumably <laughs> in broad to, daylight. I suppose if you were there at, at, towards the end of april it would have been pretty bright is yeah. there a, a strand of architecture that you would like to come back to iceland to explore you've obviously uh, in this documentary looked at churches You've looked at the tiny spaces and the minimalist approach to architecture. Is there another strand, do you think, that runs through Icelandic architecture that caught your eye when you were here that you'd maybe like to explore further? What really caught my eye was using water and underground heat to thermal energy, yeah, thermal energy to power your cities and mm. and like energy, like using energy differently yeah, in a be... in a country where, like here, we use coal power we're using we're trying to use wind and solar and it just 
your country makes sense. Well, we're very lucky. Be <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be amazing to explore how, yeah. how like, you know, different structures utilise the natural energy resources that mm. your country has. I can maybe make a suggestion then in that regard. I don't know whether you had a chance to go to any of the local swimming pools when you were here in Iceland, but even the smallest town and village will have its own geothermally heated swimming yeah. pool. In, in <laughs> al almost all of the country, the West Fjords sometimes don't, that doesn't have an outside pool, for example, but most places will have their own swimming pool geothermally heated. Mm -hmm. And these are interesting architecturally as well, I think, because they were all built, you know, in the 20th century. They are civic spaces. They are public spaces. They're owned and run by the municipalities, mm -hmm. by the councils in many cases. And if you're looking for something that combines interesting architecture with what you've spoken about, the way that hot water is so important to the country, there's your next documentary. Yeah. So you're taking notes already. I've actually, I remembered we went to one of the oldest swimming pools in Iceland mm. and it was surrounded by the mountains and it was in in one of these fjords and waterfalls would like every single place you could see and there was yeah. just a swimming pool that they've cut into the ground and it was heated by thermal energy it's it was amazing incredible so you will be back then by the sounds of it Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we've we already recommended some of our friends to go there on their honeymoon. So So we've got friends <laughs> visiting because uh... <laughs> and we have friends visiting the tiny spaces and actually staying in those spaces mm. yeah. for because we recommended it and they've seen it on a video now. And yeah. Yeah. And just broadly, I think it what's really interesting about this is that when people think of Iceland and its many attractions. They will think of the Northern Lights. They will think of the geothermal pools. They will think of the mountains. They will think of the volcanoes. They might think of the nightlife in, in Reykjavik, actually, mm -hmm. these days. But they won't necessarily think about the architecture. And you're shining a light on that for maybe not the very first time, but the first time that I can think of recently. Mm. Yeah, I do think it's a, an untouched part of Iceland. For hearing stories of everybody we've spoken to, it's not really been talked about and not many no. people have been highlighted for their achievements. Peter yeah. mentioned that Ragnar uh, Imelson is a, a relatively unknown architect as well. And the and the churches he designed were the most unique I've ever seen mm. in the world. Mm. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, tourists and, and visitors should just get in the car and travel to the lesser known places. And you just, every turn, there's something to see. Yeah, and, and I do like the fact that the churches are situated in a spot where you would not expect it. Mm. You know, it's just perched perfectly in the perfect position. It's like you could see the architect's mind as yeah. you're driving to that location. They would have, the sun would have come over the top of the ridge. It would have hit perfectly and they said, they saw it and they said, that's where it's going to be. You could well, that's just really, that's really interesting because at first glance, you might, as you say, drive past a church in what appears to be in the middle of nowhere and think, why is there a church in the middle of nowhere? Why is it there and not over there, for mm. example? And I think the drone shots that you use, make extensive use of in this documentary, do give the impression that these churches are in the middle of nowhere for no good reason. But of course, the documentary also points to, as you've said there, Damien, why the churches are in those locations, because it has to do with how the sun will hit the congregation yeah. or the altar or whatever it happens to be. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely with these architects, definitely, definitely think a different mind, a uh, different way. Yes. 
The documentary Shelters Originals Churches of Iceland, the programme will be available to watch on the Shelter channel, which can be viewed on a variety of different apps and online. Correct. Correct. And Tiny Spaces Iceland that we've referenced as well. Is that also still available to watch? That is also on Shelter Stream, yes. Fantastic. Well, I recommend them both for sure. Damien Lip and Stephanie Mauro, thank you both very much indeed. And maybe next time our conversation will not be separated by 15,000 kilometers and 10 hours or 11 hours, whatever the time difference is. Hope to see you again in person. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. It doesn't sound like we'd managed to keep you awake from what you said. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Damien, Stephanie, thank you both very much indeed. This is Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam and you can get in touch with us anytime. We are English at ruv.is. There is more from Roof English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. Roof English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof.